Hello guys, you're so welcome here today to this podcast, which deals with all things in relation to narcissistic abuse, understanding it and surviving it and actually going on to thrive. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, guys. Welcome to the second part of the video that we did there on the trauma bond. Um, and this is going to be about how to recover from it, basically. And I hope that the tools and the talk will give you some assistance in the recovery of this part of the journey um, in the recovery from narcissistic abuse and mainly an intimate relationship that you've maybe gone through with a narcissist. So, guys, you know, the first thing I'd like to, to kind of first point I'd like to take it from is how do you know that, you know, you had a trauma bond with a narcissist? How do you know you've been through trauma? So I just like to kind of recap and just go over the signs of what it actually feels like to end a romantic relationship with a narcissist and how to identify that you've been through a trauma. A lot of people will say, well, kind of, Paula, I know I've been through a trauma because I can't get this person out of my mind and I feel very addicted to them. But that's one sign for sure. But the other signs that you'd recognise in yourself would be, and I did go through them myself, a good few of them. Um, one of them is that you, you kind of have brain fog. You, you can't think straight. You find it very hard to make a decision. And I don't know, guys, did you feel this? But sometimes you're asked a question and you just look for a minute and it takes a while for the question to go into your mind. And for to you make for you to make an answer, it's not like automatic. It's as if your brain has really slowed down and there is, you know, like when you make, a, say, a, an old fashioned long distance phone call, there is a. There's a space between the time the person can respond to the, the other person asking a question. So there's basically a gap. There's a lapse um, there's a lapse in your brain function. The other thing, and I've got them written down here, is you will come out of the relationship more than likely feeling very, very drained and very exhausted. And that's because you've been in a fight and flight mode with the narcissist. So that, you know, when your good hormones were spiking and you're and then you went kind of flatlining really down into a depression and then they went back up again. You're kind of all the time, all the time in survival mode and trying to fight that real low that you get when the narcissist uses the various tools of manipulation on you and basically abuses you. So usually you come out and. When, you, when you're suddenly not dealing with the narcissist anymore, you're like really flat. You're like, um, you you don't feel anything. It, it often ends up being a feeling of disassociation. 
you're not in touch with your emotions. And sometimes maybe you go for a walk or you're in a room and it kind of feels like things are going on all around you and you're viewing a movie, but that you're not in it. You kind of you're one step out of the reality of the situation. It's your poor brain. Your poor brain has had to do so much work. It doesn't actually know where it is because the the focus of your fight and flight and your hormone regulator that the narcissist actually became through a series of manipulations with you and, and the trauma that you went through with that abuser has been taken away physically. So there's not the the spiking of the of the hormones, but what there is is a a deadness and a slowness and your brain not knowing exactly it's it's trying to reprogram itself it's all over the place and it's not functioning the way it should be basically um you may find that as well and this was one thing that really worried me um after a few months of this deadness where you don't seem to have any feelings other than dark, painful, bad feelings, you can be so desperate to get out of that state that you can in, in you can kind of get involved. You can kind of become out of your own personality and become a bit reckless and make dangerous decisions and do things that are a bit way out of your character to kind of to spike, to feel something to feel some type of emotion other than what you're left feeling when you're flatlining, flatlining after the narcissistic relationship has come to an end. Um, is there anything else? Um, your immune system, you're drained. Um, the other thing you can feel is you can feel really bad about yourself. You can feel really ashamed of yourself. You can feel like um, that you didn't like the person you were when you were in that relationship and you're kind of reevaluating yourself and you're having a lot of doubts about who exactly you are and if you really like yourself because there's been a lot of negativity thrown your way and the narcissist has projected their negativity onto you and you've absorbed a lot of this. So that's what it kind of feels like. And if you guys have felt other things that you would associate with uh, the result of a very traumatic experience, um, please leave them down in the comments. But that's just a kind of a picture of the the fog you're in and the still craving contact with the narcissist because your brain is telling you that they make you feel good and they make you feel happy and feeling good and happy makes you survive. So that's the way you feel, I'd say, for three to six months after the relationship. But depending on how bad it was, how long it was your particular demeanour, how you were left. There's a lot of different circumstances that can either shorten or lengthen that time. So for the good news, I've done so much research on this, guys. I have done so much research on this. And I found out along the way a few things, just myself and what worked for me. But I've done research for you. So 
I don't know, guys, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the science of neuroplasticity. And that's the science of how your brain, the whole operation of your brain and how it works and how it's formed as a little child and how it learns and how there's such a certain, I hope I get the terms right, you correct me if I'm wrong, the synapse, synaptic um, the synaptic fusions and uh, synaptic connections are made when we learn things and they make neuro, neuro pathways in our brain. And our brain associates those neuropathways with learnt experiences. And the narcissist is for sure a learnt experience. And if we have made in the relationship a lot of synaptic connections and our neuropathways actually have been reformed, the pathways that we had and the synaptic connections that we had prior to meeting the narcissist can be, I think they call it synaptic pruning, they can be broken. And the brain can rewire itself in all areas with the experience, with the traumatic experience that we have with a narcissist. So that's really good news because if it can form those neuropathways, it can also form new neuropathways. So guys, we have a machine here a machine that we can reprogram to help us on our recovery journey. So it's not just left up in the air. We're not just hoping we can recover. We can actually do something to help ourselves recover. That is basically a guaranteed recovery tool if we really work at it. So there's nobody that cannot recover from narcissistic abuse if they want to and if they have the courage to do so, and if they put in the work. So we don't want to be the victims that the narcissists are. I mean, the narcissists at a young age decided that they were just going to set up a defense mechanism and they were going to make other people suffer so that they could feel good. And they are the perpetual perennial victims and they will not get out of that. And it doesn't seem like they can get out of that from all the research that's been done in relation to can you cure an, a narcissism or a narcissistic personality disorder. You and I do not have a personality disorder. We may have had a certain amount of codependency and that may have been exasperated and encouraged greatly by a, a relationship with a narcissist. But what we have is very recoverable. So without further ado, I'd like to give you some tools. And if you want to do more research on neuroplasticity, please do, because you can equip yourself. This is just a short video, basically, on a few tools as to how to rewire your brain. But there is so much more out there and there's so, so much to it. And it's a fascinating subject, really amazing. And it's 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 a very positive subject to think that we can actually not only recover from narcissistic abuse, but with these tools, we can go on to be better people than maybe we would ever have been without having gone through this painful discovery process. And sorry, guys, if that's triggering, if you've just been discarded by a narcissist, if you're in terrible pain, I'm saying it not to diminish what you're going through because it's excruciating. But what I'm saying is there is more than hope. There's a positive 
there's a positive message we can give you and say you will recover. And guys, again, there was a fantastic recovery comment in the last um, video. Someone who had recovered. I think it was you, Joe. Please, guys, if you can help people who are in the early stages of the journey and you have recovered, please let them know because it's very validating and we need to hear this. We need to have hope when we're in that really dark place, when the relationship has just ended. OK, guys, so this is my take on it. Um, they say with neuroplasticity to make these new brain connections so that your brain is enabled to to produce again the feel good hormones. These are some of the things you can do to help. OK, the first thing I would say is. If you can let it go. And particularly here with the practice of, say, yoga and meditation, if you can give everything up like to the universe or to God, if you can let it go, you make room for for new things to come in. So watch if you let go, you will receive a whole lot more back, but you've got to make room for the new to come in. Again, I've researched the different types of exercise you can do, and maybe a lot of people recommend this. I'm sure they do, but there's actually a reason for it. The scientific studies have found that if you, say, take up a practice of yoga where you're internally reflecting and you're you're getting things from from looking within yourself and you're concentrating on yourself and your place in the world. It's a better exercise to help reframe your brain and thoughts about your own validity as a person and your value and ground yourself than say running is, although running has its place as well, but running helps you to more escape your emotions, but it does help with the endorphins to keep you going, to strive harder and to to believe in yourself. So yoga is fantastic. It's a known scientific now, scientific way of reprogramming your brain and your own self-esteem and your own worth and your place in the world. The other thing is to keep a routine. Um, it sounds very, very ordinary and far too simple, you kind of think, maybe to, to actually be effective. Keep a routine in your day so your brain's not all over the place. So it learns again that it doesn't have to, to be in a chaotic world, that you can have a routine and that it can know that this is the routine that's going to help you survive. And this is stability and it can help it can enable a platform of stability within your brain for the good hormones to even even come up a tiny little bit. Because, guys, even with exercise, I found when I tried to run two or three months post uh, discard that I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel the endorphins coming up within myself that I was hoping to feel by doing this great achievement. It took quite a long time and quite a few runs before I even got a little bit up in my feel good hormones. So it does take time and it takes you to hit the machine of your brain from from a, from all angles, not just kind of the exercise and the self-care for the neural pathways. Now, the other one that I've come up with is it says not to, you know, if you get negative thoughts that you need to replace them with positive thoughts or you need if you get positive thoughts about the narcissist, 
you need to replace them with reality thoughts and things that you you actually suffered. So let's just take it from the first point of view. OK, so you're going along your day and the ruminating is starting and you're thinking of the good times with the narcissist. This is something I did and I hope it helps you. In your mind, you're going to put the narcissist in in the room with you in front of you and you're going to ask them. You're going to take this thought and you're going to say to them, I remember that day that we had a great time and we shared a great memory of that day. But I also remember what you did before and what you did after that day. And I'd like to ask you now, why did you do that? Did you think that that was a loving thing to do to me? Do you think that you might have a problem in maintaining a stable relationship with anybody? Why did you try to make me jealous of your ex? Was that a big insecurity that you had within yourself? Did you realise that that was very abusive to do that to me? Um, do you consider that to be a loving thing to do? You know, when you said you loved me, um, how did you feel that you loved me? Because you did this and you did this and you did this and you left me, but you said you loved me. So what, basically you get the idea, guys. You sit the narcissist down in front of you and you can interview them. And then if you have thoughts like, well, what if the narcissist came back? You sit that old narc down there in front of you again and you say, Mr. or Mrs. Narc, OK, so you're coming back, are you? So first of all, now you've left me or I had to leave, get you to leave because you were cheating. So you're going to come back and how how is it going to be better? Do you mean that you're going to totally change your personality? You get the gist, guys. You actually... You play it out with with this person. Don't think that, you know, oh, this person's ignoring me. They're blocking me. They're doing this. It's you that has the power, not the other person. Remember, they are addicted to you. you they need you, but you don't need them. You just have to reprogram your brain because your brain has been basically hypnotized by feel good hormones in a manipulative way by somebody else. So you need to reclaim this brain and reprogramming it. So it is the what I call the interview with the narc can be a useful way of doing that when you get good thoughts or you want to actually think things out and you're not going through them in your brain ruminating all the time. You're actually getting this person, this creature to sit in front of you and interview them. Take power over that thought. Take take power over the person because what you believe, you know, your thoughts make your emotions, make your reality. If you want to continue thinking negatively about yourself and if you don't do any work on replacing each negative thought that you think about yourself and talking to that inner critic, critic that keeps telling you that you're no good and you can't do this, I would have very strong words with that inner critic and you sit down as well and tell that inner critic, excuse me, I no longer think like that. That's a very limiting belief. And I obviously picked that up from childhood or I picked that up from someone who did not have my best interests at heart. The last person being the narc. And I am telling you now and become your own best friend and say that's not true of you because you tried very hard to be a very good person and you 
You go over the things that you've done that you have genuinely tried your best to be. You've got to advocate for yourself. You've got to be your own best friend. You've got to change those thoughts, the negative thoughts that you have about yourself. We all have a story about who we are. And it comes from our past. And it comes from maybe reflections back from our family, our caregivers, society and our friends. And the reflections that we accept and we believe become who we are. But it may not be truly who we are. We may have heard a lot of negative things and we may have been become accustomed because we weren't thought to value ourselves initially, become accustomed to absorb the negative things that are said to us more than the positive. So you could have, like I could have 50 good comments on here, on, on, on say on the channel, really beautiful, good comments. And I could have one or two bad comments. If I concentrate on those two, one or two bad comments, and I define, say the next video I do, because of those two bad comments. I am not being my own best friend. It's not that we're it's not that we're we're trying to be validated or judged by the outside world. We should have a strong sense of balance within ourselves, but we need to to get that into ourselves. So we really need to be a positive influence on ourselves to reprogram those neural pathways that told us that the narcissist was our survival and that they were the only valid source of our feel-good hormones to, to get us to survive. Guys, the, a few last things. You've got to replace the experiences in your brain that you keep going back to with the narcissist with new experiences. If you... And a new purpose and new new purpose is really important and new experiences are really important because they lay down a whole new set of neural pathways that replace the old set that have now become defunct. But you can't just get rid of the old set and not replace them with a new set because then you're still flatlining. You have to gradually rewire the whole thing all over until the old wiring is eventually gone, replaced by beautiful, psychedelic, amazing new wiring. That's your new purpose. That's your new positivity as a person. That you have a new story to tell yourself about yourself. New belief, because what you believe you are and the value you display to other people is the value they take you at. So your boundaries come in here as well. Everything about you can change. You're not stuck being this person who was victimized, who was abused, who's going to stay like that, who can't move on, who ruminates, who can't seem to let go. And the other thing is, this work is so important because if you do get stuck ruminating four or five years later, it's because you're afraid to let go of the grieving cycle. Because in some way, if you don't let it go, you stay connected to the narcissist. And in some way, you feel you stay connected to the possibility of feel good hormones. So if you're still in that ruminating state, you need to work really hard on reprogramming your brain and replacing 
these false, false good hormones that were also jumping up and down and also being replaced by cortisol and adrenaline. And you were a whole mishmash of a mess. That wasn't a good experience with the narcissist. It's never going to be life sustaining. It would have killed you eventually. So guys, I the video goes on and on and on here. I just, I can't seem to, to make the videos shorter trying to get this message across to you. Um, meditation is another good one that I forgot to say. Um, I think that's about it. Please subscribe to the channel if this has been of any value to you and the, you find the content of any value to anyone else, please consider sharing. I love you all guys and I will see you again very shortly. Take very good care of yourselves. Number one, be your best friend, advocate for yourself. You can be whoever you want to be. Thanks guys. Bye.